السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی عمری وحل العقدم السانی یفقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما اللہ صلی وسلم علی نبینا محمد کتاب الادان انشاءاللہ ول بگین فرام باب الدعائی عند الندا سپلیکیشن ایٹ دا ٹائم آف دا ندا ندا میننگ دی ادان اینڈ ریمبر دیٹ یو فائنڈ بوتھ آف دیز ورڈس ادان ایز ویل ایز ندا اینڈ بوتھ ریفر ٹو دا سیم تھنگ دی ادان دیٹ از گیون فار پریئر اینڈ دا ریزن وائی اٹس کالڈ ندا ایز ویل ایز بیکاز ندا از ا کال ٹو کال آؤٹ لاؤڈلی ریمبر حرف ندا وٹ از حرف ندا یا ایوہا to alert the person and call them out loud. So this is the reason why adhan is also called nida. Now in this hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever says when he hears the adhan, Allahumma rabba hadihi da'wati tamma wa salati al-qa'imah, ati muhammadin al-wasilata wal-fadilah, wa ba'athu maqamam mahmudan al-ladhi wa'adta, then what will happen? The Prophet's shafa'a will be permissible for him on the Day of Judgment, meaning he will be worthy of it on the Day of Judgment. And remember that shafa'a of the Prophet is of three kinds. First of all, at the mawqif, meaning at the place of hashr where everyone will be gathered. And this is further of two kinds. First, that the hisab may begin. And secondly, in favor of the people. so that they may enter Jannah, they may be forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or their darajat may be increased in paradise. Then secondly, it will be at the time when people will enter Jannah, the Prophet ﷺ will come, he will intercede that the gates of Jannah be opened, and then people will enter Jannah. And thirdly, when everyone will be in their destinations, the Prophet ﷺ will do shafa'ah for his uncle Abu Talib. Not that he is completely forgiven, because that is not going to be accepted, but that his punishment be reduced. And this is an exception in the case of Abu Talib because of the help and the support that he gave to the Prophet ﷺ. As a result of that, the punishment will be reduced. Not finished, but it will be reduced. So a person who says this dua after the adhan, then what will he get? The shafa'a of the Prophet ﷺ on the Day of Judgment. Which shafa'a is this? At the mawqif, the first kind, at the time of hisab. meaning the person when he will be called to account by Allah. Then the Prophet ﷺ's intercession will help him. He will be worthy of that. That A, he be forgiven, or that his darajat may be elevated in paradise, his reward may be multiplied, increased. So this shafa'a will be, meaning a person will be worthy of it on the Day of Judgment. Now, when it comes to this dua, when are we supposed to say it? After the adhan. And if you notice, in this dua, there are some words that are not there. Which words? إِنَّكَ لَا تُخْلِفُ الْمِعَادِ And these words are very common at the end of the dua. These words actually appear in one of the narrations, which is in Bayhaqi. And remember that that narration is not authentic. And this is the reason why it is better to stop where? وَبَعَثْهُ مَقَامًا مَحْمُودًا الَّذِي وَعَدْتَهُ That's it. We should... and over there because the version that says innaka la tukhlifu al-mi'ad that is not authentic now there are many other benefits many other virtues of making this dua first is shafa'a others are in a hadith we learn and this hadith has been authenticated by albani 
It is mentioned in Sahih At-Targhib wa Targhib that a man said, O oh Allah's Messenger, the Mu'addineen have excelled us. Meaning, look, they are giving the adhan and only one person can give the adhan. And everything that will hear his adhan will testify for him on the Day of Judgment. So he's gone ahead of us. What are we supposed to do? So the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, say the same words as they say. Meaning when you hear the adhan, then repeat the words. In other words, answer the call. And when you come to the end, then make a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that will be granted to you. Meaning after the adhan, if you make dua, inshaAllah that will be accepted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond to it. So first we should make this dua and secondly, we should also make more duas for ourselves, for others. In another hadith, we learned Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas anhu narrated that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, He who says on hearing the Mu'addin, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika lah, wa anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluh, radiitu billahi rabba, wa bi Muhammadin rasula, wa bil islami dina, then what will happen? His sins will be forgiven. His sins will be forgiven. In another narration, we learn about the words, وَأَنَا أَشْهَدُ Because the Mu'addin is saying, أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَدَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ Then while you're listening, what should you say? The Prophet ﷺ used to say sometimes, وَأَنَا وَأَنَا And I also testify. So at the end of the adhan, after the dua, we should also say, وَأَنَا أَشْهَدُ Either say, وَأَنَا أَشْهَدُ And I also testify. Or, you can say this dua, أَشْهَدُوا أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And then, رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّ وَبِمُحَمَّدُ الرَّسُولَ وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينَ But basically a person is saying, I also testify, and I'm happy with Allah as my Lord, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a messenger, and Islam as my religion. Abu Rafir narrated that the Prophet sallallahu whenever he heard the Mu'addin give the adhan, he would repeat every phrase he said. But when the Mu'addin would say, Hayya ala salah, Hayya ala falah, then the Prophet ﷺ would say, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And the previous narration that I mentioned to you, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, that is from Muslim. In another hadith which is in Muslim, we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, When you hear the Mu'addin, repeat what he says. When you hear the Mu'addin, then repeat what he says. Then invoke Allah's blessings and mercies on me. Meaning, salawatullah, send them on who? On the Prophet ﷺ. So basically, make dua for the Prophet ﷺ. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim. So first, repeat what he says. Secondly, invoke Allah's blessings on the Prophet ﷺ. Because he who invokes Allah's blessings on me once, Allah will send blessings upon him Ten times. And he said, Then ask Allah to grant me the wasila, which is a rank in Jannah to be given to only one person among the slaves of Allah. And I hope that it will be me. He who asks Allah to grant me the wasila, then my shafa'a will become due on him. He will be worthy of it. This hadith is also from Muslim. So from all of these hadith, what do we learn? What should we do? When we hear the adhan, answer. After the adhan, then what should we do? First of all, send the durood on the Prophet ﷺ, pray for a salawat on him. Secondly, make dua for wasila and for the Prophet ﷺ. And thirdly, ashadu an la ilaha illallah 
Okay, also say that. You can also say that at the beginning. And fourth, make dua for yourself also. Make dua for yourself also. So is it clear? Now I'd like you to hear a recording of all of this. اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم رب هذه الدعوة التامة والصلاة القائمة آت محمد الوسيلة والفضيلة وابعثه مقاما محمودا الذي وعدته أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأن محمدا عبده ورسوله رضيت بالله ربا وبمحمد رسولا وبالإسلام دينا So is it clear now? In which order you're going to do it? So inshallah I know it's a bit longer compared to what perhaps you had been doing before. But we see that for each there is a benefit. First, pray for blessings for the Prophet wasallam. Second, make dua. Make dua for his wasila. And thirdly, ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Alright? Inshallah. And if you write it down for yourself, it'll be easier. Inshallah. Because for us, hearing the adhan is... Alhamdulillah, a blessing that we get to hear it quite a lot over here. But it's only once a day. In winters, Alhamdulillah, for some people it's also twice. So at these occasions, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the ability to hear the adhan, we should make the most of it. Now this is with regards to responding to the adhan. What about the iqamah? Are we supposed to respond to the iqamah also? Definitely we respond by actions, meaning we respond by performing the salah. But any words that you're supposed to say? Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin was asked about repeating the words of the iqamah and he said with regard to repeating the words of the iqamah, there is a hadith about that which was narrated by Abu Dawood but it is a weak hadith. And therefore it cannot be used as evidence. The correct view is that the words should not be repeated. So for the adhan, we repeat the words but for iqamah, we don't repeat the words. You might hear the words sometimes, some people saying, for iqamah, أَقَامَهَ اللَّهُ وَأَدَامَهَا But that is not authentic. It is also written in some books. And you might also come across people saying these words, but remember that it's based on a weak narration. Bab al-istihami fil adhan, istiham. What is istiham? Istiham is from saham. And saham is used for arrows, featherless arrows. And istiham is to draw lots. Because they would use such arrows in order to draw lots. So drawing lots to do the adhan. Why? When is it necessary to draw lots? When there is a dispute amongst the people. Everybody wants to do something. So then what is done? Lots are drawn so that whoever gets that, he will perform that action. وَيُذْكَرُوا And it is mentioned أَنَّ أَقْوَامًا That some people اِخْتَلَفُوا فِي الْأَذَانِ They differed concerning the adhan. Meaning they had a dispute. Each person said, I want to give the adhan. فَأَقْرَعَ بَيْنَهُمْ سَعْدٌ So Sa'd, what did he do? He drew lots among them. That whoever wins, they can give the adhan. Because this is a matter for which you can't really decide who should give the adhan. For salah, 
who is supposed to be the imam? The one who knows the Qur'an? The most. There are certain criteria that has been given. But for adhan, there isn't any such criteria that has been given. So for that reason, we see that everyone can give the adhan so long as they know the adhan. And obviously this is with regards to men. Women don't give the adhan, men do. So if there is a dispute, then what should be done? Istiham can also be done. And we see that sometimes really there are disputes over this. People are appointed to give the adhan, but others want to give it. And sometimes it happens that people come and they hold the microphone and they wait and wait for even half an hour sometimes because they are the ones who want to give the adhan. Somebody was once mentioning to me that at a masjid this happened that somebody was appointed to give the adhan. It was their turn. Somebody else came and they took the microphone and they're sitting before the salah time so that as soon as the time enters they can give the adhan. Now this person whose turn it was got very offended. So as soon as the time for prayer entered, this person, they grabbed the microphone in order to give the adhan, but the person whose turn it was, they just started saying the adhan out loud, without the microphone. And they said it out so loud that it could be heard in the men's section and the women's section. And the other person just gave up and, you know, gave the microphone. So anyway, it can lead to disputes and hard feelings. So these problems should be solved. And people should be creative in solving such problems that turns can be given and also this can be done. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن سميين and سميين is a masculine form of سمية مولا أبي بكر عن أبي صالح عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ النَّاسُ If the people knew مَا فِي النِّدَاءِ What is in the call, meaning the reward of giving the adhan, وَالصَّفِّ awwal And the first row, meaning standing and performing prayer in the first row, being amongst the first row, sitting in the front, ثُمَّ لَمْ يَجِدُوا إِلَّا أَنْ يَسْتَهِمُوا عَلَيْهِ and then they would find no option except that they should draw lots in regards to this matter. Then what would they do? Lastahamu. Then surely they would draw lots. Walau ya'lamuna. And if they knew ma fit tahjiri, the reward that is in tahjir. What is tahjir? Salatul zuhur. Lastabaku ilayhi. Surely they would hasten to it. Meaning they would not defer it. They would not delay salatul zuhur. Rather they would pray it. At its time. وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ And if they knew مَا فِي الْعَتَمَةِ The reward which is in عَتَمَة عَتَمَة performing Isha late. وَالصُّبْحِ And the morning prayer, meaning Fajr prayer on time. لَأَتَوْهُمَا Surely they would come to them too. Meaning they would come to perform these two prayers. وَلَوْ حَبْوًا Even if they had to crawl. Meaning then they would not leave the jama'ah, the congregation. They would definitely go to the masjid and perform these two prayers, Fajr and Isha, in jama'ah. And for women also, if we understood the reward of Fajr on time, then we would crawl out of bed. Because sometimes it happens that you've had a difficult night because of how the children were. And it's very difficult to get up early. But if we understood and remembered the reward of Fajr on time, then we would crawl out of bed. Habwan. They would go crawling. So in this hadith, what do we learn? About the virtue of adhan. How much reward there is in giving the adhan that if people understood, they would fight over it. And the only option would be to resolve the disputes with 
with drawing lots. Now what are the virtues of Adhan? Earlier we learned that everything that hears the Adhan of the Mu'adhan, whether alive or dead, will testify for him on the Day of Judgment. There are also some other virtues. In a hadith in Muslim we learn, the Prophet ﷺ said, the Mu'adhineen will have the longest necks on the Day of Judgment. People with longest necks. What does that mean? They will be tallest in the sense that imagine if a person's neck is long, then it means that you know they're standing out from the rest. Exactly. Seen by everyone. Identified from far. Tall. So this is a means of honor for them on the Day of Judgment. Then another hadith we learn, and this is also authenticated by Albani in Sahih Al-Targhib Al-Targhib, that the Mu'adhin will be forgiven as much as he raises his voice with the Adhan. The louder he makes the call, the more forgiven he will be, inshallah. And everything fresh and dry that hears him will seek forgiveness for him. Will seek forgiveness for him. What? Everything fresh and dry. Like for example, we learn about those who are in the way of ilm. That even the fish in the sea and the angels, what do they do? They pray for him. Right? And here we learn that the one who gives the adhan, everything fresh and dry, that on which the sound of the adhan falls, then it prays for forgiveness for that person. In another version, we learn that they will be witness for him on the Day of Judgment. So we learn about two things. They seek forgiveness, and secondly, they will witness for him on the Day of Judgment. In another hadith, which is also authenticated by Albani in As-Silsilat Al-Suhihah, the Prophet ﷺ said, Paradise is affirmed for him who gives the adhan. Paradise is affirmed for him who gives the adhan. Sixty hasanat will be written for him. And for every iqama, he will get thirty hasanat. So for adhan, sixty. For iqama, thirty. So now after hearing all of these ahadiths, what are you going to do? Same person can give the adhan and the iqama, like Bilal or Anhu did, but two different people can also do it. Yes, one is assigned to give the adhan, the other iqama, and the other lead the prayers. So, what are we going to do now? Encourage your brother to give the adhan even in the house. Because over here, we don't hear the adhan outside. And when there are more men who are going to perform salah and jama'ah anyway, typically iqama is said. But adhan can also be said. And imagine in your house, if the adhan is being said, everything in the house, imagine the number of things. Even imagine the number of the grains of rice in the rice bag. Imagine all of these things praying for forgiveness for the person. Teaching adhan to the children. And you know what? It's not difficult to teach them the adhan. Children love to watch things on your phone, things on your YouTube. And typically what happens is that we have saved videos like and that's also necessary for them to know. But why don't you save a good video of the Adhan in your favorites and when your child opens YouTube, they can listen to it. Adhan and Iqama. And you'll be amazed by their imitation. They will pick up very quickly. My son was pronouncing the Adhan the other day and my daughter started doing it too, in imitation. So the children pick up very quickly. When we encourage our men to give the Adhan, then we have the chance to respond to it and make the Dua. 
that when we are going to the masjid to perform the prayer, whether it is us or our husbands or brothers, whoever, then encourage them to not just make it for salah, but make it for the adhan. So that they can hear the adhan or give the adhan even better and respond to it and earn. The reward for adhan only shows to us the importance of salah. That how important is it? That the one who is calling to prayer is forgiven, meaning Jannah is guaranteed for him, everything is seeking forgiveness for him, will testify for him, 60 hasanat for him. There's so much reward for just the adhan associated to the adhan. Imagine the reward associated to prayer. Because sometimes children get shy. And especially if they are overpraised or sometimes some children, if they're given too much attention, they feel more shy and hesitant. Some children are like that. So tell them about the reward associated with the adhan and inshallah that will be a motivation. That you get 60 points, you get 60 hasanat, 60 jannah points or whatever you can use to make them understand the concept of hasanat. That a person who gives the adhan will be very tall, long neck on the day of judgment. It's a motivation because children love to be the tallest. That if a child has the ability to speak loudly, then train them to give the adhan. When you listen to the adhan, when you reflect on its meaning, respond to it correctly, it prepares you for prayers and also increases your iman. And you know what you said about children having loud voices? If they give the adhan, it's a fulfillment of their wish to speak loud their desire to raise their voices. And there are people who I've heard of that they they struggle when they are, are speaking, but when they're giving the adhan, mashallah, it's clear and it's a good way of making your children confident. Bab al-kalami fil adhan. Kalam during the adhan. Speaking during the adhan. Is it permissible? Now remember that there's two kinds of speaking during the adhan. One, by the Mu'addin. So he's giving the adhan, and during the adhan, he needs to say something urgently to someone that cannot be deferred. Can he say something during the adhan? Secondly, those who are listening to the adhan, can they speak? So, al-kalami fil adhan. When it comes to salah, are you allowed to speak during your prayer? No. If you do so, salah is invalid. But when it comes to adhan, is it the same level of strictness? Let's find out. وَتَكَلَّمَ سُلَيْمَانُ بْنُ صُرَدٍ فِي أَذَانِهِ Sulaiman ibn Surad, he spoke during his adhan. Adhanihi meaning while he was giving the adhan. He spoke. It is said that he would give the adhan in the army, the Muslim army. And what would happen is that sometimes he would have to give an instruction to his servant. Like for example, imagine a person is giving the adhan and another is, let's say, spreading the mat. And he says, and he sees that somebody is going to get hurt. So he says, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah. And in the middle he says, put it there, softly. And then he continues, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. You understand? It was urgent. He had to say it. He had to give that instruction at that time. It could not be deferred. And if he has to say it, will it break the adhan? Does he have to start all over again? But we see from the actions of the salaf that if it was necessary to speak during the adhan, meaning a person who is giving the mu'adhin, they spoke. But only in the case of necessity. Only in the case of necessity. And also, only as much as is necessary. Not that a person starts talking. 
Okay? Because then people will be confused. What happened? Where did the adhan go? We were hearing the adhan and then it just disappeared. There was such a long pause. So people might get worried. So it's necessary that, first of all, this is avoided. And secondly, if a person has to speak, then the words should be made different from the words of adhan. In the sense that he should not say his words out loud as adhan. He should perhaps whisper or say quickly, shorten it. وَقَالَ الْحَسَنَ And الْحَسَنَ الْبَصْرِ He said, لَا بَأْسَ أَنْ يَضْحَكَ There is no harm if he laughs وَهُوَ يُؤَذِّنُ أَوْ يُقِيمُ While he is giving the adhan or the iqama. Meaning laughing does not make the adhan invalid. If a person is performing the prayer and all of a sudden he laughs at something, will that break his prayer? I mean, yes. Because if he's laughing and the voice is there, it's going to make the prayer invalid. But during the adhan, let's say a person is giving the adhan, and some people are like that, they're sari or dhahik, meaning they see something and they can't control themselves, they instantly smile or that laughter is evident in their speech. Correct? So, likewise, a person is giving the adhan, he's giving the iqama, he sees something and it makes him smile and that affects his adhan, or it makes him giggle a little bit that affects his adhan, will that make the adhan invalid or the iqama invalid? No. It will not make it invalid. But obviously if a person is laughing out loud to the point that he cannot even continue giving the adhan, then that is a matter of concern. So basically what do we learn here? That adhan, iqama are different from salah. All right? They're different from salah. However, it doesn't mean that it's okay always to speak during the adhan, to laugh during the adhan or the iqama. And we're talking about the mu'adhin. Not the listeners, but the mu'adhin. Now, why is this a concern? First, because like I mentioned to you, salah is affected by these two things. And secondly, we see that laughing is what? It's closer to mockery. You understand? Like for example, if somebody is laughing, you don't know if they're laughing because they're happy or they're laughing at you. So this is why it was a concern that is it allowed to laugh during the adhan? Now with respect to the listener, the one who is listening to the adhan, listening to the iqama, can he speak? Can he laugh? Is it permissible? Now again, it's okay, it's permissible. But like we learned earlier that when a person is listening to the adhan, then what should he do? Respond. When can you respond? When you are listening. Istima'ah. And istima'ah cannot be done without insat. Correct? So if you want to answer the adhan, if you want to respond to the adhan, then you have to listen attentively. Because you have to know where he said, Hayya ala salah. And where he said, Ashadu wa ilaha illallah. Because if a person is talking away, he's not paying attention. And the mu'addin said, Ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And you're saying, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Then that is not right. So the only way that you can respond to the adhan correctly is if you listen to the adhan correctly. And you can only listen if you are silent. But remember that responding to the adhan is not mandatory. It is not fard. It is not fard like salah is. Like the words of salah are. Okay, But it is definitely better. So we see that adhan, iqama are of the sha'air of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their ta'zeem is necessary. It is necessary that we show respect. And part of respect is that we listen silently 
and attentively and avoid talking so that we can also benefit. However, if there is a need to speak, is that wrong? Is that wrong? No. If there is a need to communicate with someone with a few words, like for example, you're giving something to someone, taking something from them and in that you're also saying take this or not this, this much is enough, that much is not enough and the adhan is going on and you're responding also and during that you can say enough. You can say this one. Can you say these words? Yes. Because we go to extremes. Either we go on talking or we think that even whispering is forbidden. There has to be that balance. And we see evidences from the sunnah where the companions, they even spoke while the adhan was being pronounced. If a person does not care about the adhan at all and he's talking away because he says, oh, it's permissible, he keeps talking and until the prayer is begun, then he won't be able to concentrate in prayer. Likewise, the person who is listening to the adhan, if he laughs, is that wrong? That's not wrong. But if he laughs at the mu'addin, at the adhan, then that is a problem. Because that laughing at the mu'addin, at the adhan, is closer to mockery. right? And we know that istihza of Allah's ayat is something that is not acceptable. It's something that does not befit a believer, a person who has iman. We learn that Imam Malik in his Mu'atta, he has uh, written that, he narrated from Ibn Shihab that Sa'laba ibn Abi Malik al-Qurazi told him, so Sa'laba, he said that at the time of Umar bin Khattab, عنه, they would go to pray Salatul Jumu'ah in the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and who would lead them? Umar عنه, because he was a khalifa. So he said they would go to pray and they would remain in the masjid until Umar came out. For what? For the khutbah. When Umar عنه, came out and sat on the mimbar and the mu'addin gave the adhan, Sa'laba said, we would sit and continue with our speech, meaning we would talk amongst ourselves. The adhan is going on and we would talk amongst ourselves. We cannot expect that they would talk about random things, unnecessary things, but only something that was essential. Then when the mu'addin felt silent and Umar stood up to deliver the khutbah, we would listen attentively and none of us would speak. Because you know that during the khutbah, you can't even say to someone, be quiet. Alright? So we see that in khutbah, nothing at all you can say. But during the adhan, there is an allowance. But for which matters? Urgent and necessary. Unavoidable. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا حماد عن أيوب وعبد الحميد صاحب الزيادي وعاصم الأحولي عن عبد الله بن الحارث قال خطبنا He addressed us. He gave us خطبة. Who? Ibn Abbas. في يوم رضغ On a day that was رضغ رضغ meaning مطر وطين So basically wet and muddy. On a rainy day when the streets were all muddy on that day Ibn Abbas رضي الله عنه He addressed us. فَلَمَّا بَلَغَ الْمُؤَذِّنُ Then when the muaddin he reached, so basically when the muaddin started giving the adhan, and during his adhan, when he reached حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ What happened? فَأَمَرَهُ Ibn Abbas instructed him, who? The muaddin. أَنْ يُنَادِيَ That he should make the call for what? الصَّلَاةُ فِي الرِّحَالِ that the prayer should be where? In ar-rihal. Rihal, at home. Rihal is basically the plural of rahl, which is the home of a person, where his things are, where his belongings are. 
So, when the Mu'addin was about to say, Hayya ala salah, Ibn Abbas said, don't say that. Instead say, As-salatu fi-rihal. فَنَظَرَ الْقَوْمُ بَعْضُهُمْ إِلَى بَعْضُ The people started looking at each other, that what's happening? Why is Ibn Abbas saying that? How come salah will not be in the masjid? فَقَالَ So he said, فَعَلَ هَذَا He did this. Who did this? مَنْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِّنْهُ The one who is better than him. Better than who? The Mu'addim. Meaning, why are you so surprised? The one who was better than this Mu'addim did this. Who is he referring to? Either the Prophet ﷺ or Bilal anhu. That this is not something that I'm saying out of my own whim. This is something that is established from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, وَإِنَّهَا And indeed it, عَزْمَةٌ Azma, an instruction, a command. What is azma? Have you heard of the word azima, as opposed to rukhsa? Azma, azima is basically a strict order, a matter that is ordered, meaning which has to be followed, and it's called azima because it requires firm resolution from a person. And opposite to that, you can say is rukhsa. What is rukhsa? Allowance. Like for example, azima is that a person has to perform wudu in order to in order to pray. Rukhsa is what? That if there is no water, or the water is too expensive, you have enough money either to buy water, or to buy food for your family, then what is Rukhsa? That you do tayammum. Okay? So, Rukhsa is allowance, Azima is order, strict order. And we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves that, the Azima is taken, and the Rukhsa is taken. Why? Because both are from him. Both are in reality obedience to him. So Ibn Abbas said, وَإِنَّهَا azma." This is a command. This is something that we have to do. What do we have to do? That when the weather does not permit people to come to the masjid easily, then where are they going to pray? In their homes. And we have to make the announcement in the adhan. And that is what the Prophet ﷺ did. That instead of saying, حَيَّ عَلَى الصَّلَاةِ حَيَّ عَلَى Come to prayer. What is said? As-salatu fir-rihal. Somebody told me that recently in Medina this happened. That because of the severe weather conditions, they made this call during the adhan, as-salatu fir-rihal. And this is something that happened after many, many years. Because with the blessing of Allah, the conditions were such that people could always come to the masjid. But this time, the weather was such that it was difficult for people. Although there were many people present in and around the masjid perhaps, but still, people were told that Pray in your houses for your safety. So we see that in certain conditions, whether it is due to weather or it is due to security reasons, like for example, in a particular place if there is a curfew or, or something, for security reasons, then the mu'addin can say this. As-salatu rihal Now basically in this hadith, what do we see? That first of all, the mu'addin said in his adhan the words which are not typically part of adhan. In adhan, what is a mu'addin supposed to say? Hayya ala salah. But he said, As-salatu fir-rihal. As-salatu fir-rihal, if you think about it or not, the original words of the adhan. So this is kalam fil-adhan. By who? By the mu'addin. Secondly, we see that the mu'addin is giving the adhan and Ibn Abbas is speaking. He's speaking to the mu'addin. Not to somebody else, but to the mu'addin. He says, don't say hayya ala salah, say as-salatu fir-rihal. So from this, we learn about the evidence that during the adhan, it is permissible to speak. The mu'addin can, the person who is listening can, but only what? 
what is essential and unavoidable. During the khutbah, a person must be absolutely silent. Okay, in the sense that you can't engage in any other dhikr. Because at that time, dhikr is, dhikr is the khutbah. Okay, fasa'u ila dhikrillah. So dhikr is the khutbah. So you have to focus on that. Remember earlier when we studied Kitabul Ilm, I mentioned to you the situations where you can either do something fard or mustahab. Or something mustahab as opposed to mubah. Right? Because actions, they vary in their ranks. And that depends on the reward that they will bring to a person. So what is necessary? That we realize what is more beneficial at this time. And we focus on that. So for example, during the adhan, what is more beneficial? That a person is reciting the Qur'an, which he can recite at any other time. Or should he focus on responding to the adhan? What is better? What will bring him more reward? Responding to the adhan. So at that time, one should focus on responding to the adhan, making dua after the adhan. Because the Qur'an, he can recite at that time, but he can also recite during prayer and after the prayers at any other time. So it's necessary that we realize that at a given time, what will be most fruitful for me? And focus on that. Like for example, sometimes it happens that in a classroom, we're sitting and we could be listening attentively, taking notes, or we could be checking our email, which is also very important. Okay, Checking your email is also very important. It's related to your work. But what will be more fruitful? What will be more fruitful? Paying attention in class because you can check your email before and after. And you know what? This is one of the tactics of shaitan. He makes a person do the lesser of the two good things. Why? So that a person will go away with less reward. He could have accumulated more reward, but because of the bad choice, he will end up with less reward. So now the question is that she was reciting the Qur'an in the masjid. Somebody came to her and asked her that, please, can you pray jama'ah with me so that I can get more reward? So in that situation, what is better? Reciting the Qur'an or praying in jama'ah? Praying in jama'ah is what? That will be your sadaqah to them. And recitation of the Qur'an, what is that? A kind of dhikr. What kind of dhikr? Is it fard? Nafil? What is it? It is nafil, voluntary. Sadaqah is also voluntary. Reciting the Qur'an at that time is also voluntary. Okay? So now you determine what level both of these actions are at. And now you decide at that time, what do I need most at this time? So now you have the choice. You think, since morning I haven't given sadaqah. But I did recite Qur'an after Fajr. So you say, okay, I've done some recitation today. I've been reciting Qur'an for half an hour. Alhamdulillah, I can get to pray with this person. I get double reward. I get the reward of charity and I get the reward of voluntary prayers. Okay? So you decide at that time, what are you most in need of? The thing is that women are not obligated to pray salah and jama'ah anyway. This happened in the case of men. So women are not required anyway. If you go to the masjid and you find somebody reciting the Qur'an and you need to pray your salah, pray your salah. There's no harm. Yes, this applies to the daily five prayers, as-salatu fil-rihal, and it also applies to salatul jumu'ah. Because if the weather conditions are such that it's difficult for people to come for isha prayer, for asr prayer, 
then they could also be such that it's difficult for people to come for Zuhur on Jumu'ah, meaning for Jumu'ah prayers. So in that situation also, it is allowed for men to pray their Zuhur at home. But remember that at home they will not perform two rakah. They will not pray Jumu'ah. What will they pray? Salat al-Zuhur. And sometimes it happens. Like I remember once there was a snowstorm and my husband had to come give the khutbah over here. And the snow was so much that it took us over an hour to get to the masjid. Usually it takes us less than 10 minutes. Over an hour it took us. And we got stuck multiple times. We had the shovel in the car and we had to shovel our way. And the, the reason why we had to make it was because he had to open the masjid and we expected that people were going to come. We couldn't even drive inside. We had to leave the car on the road and then walk inside. And about 10 people came maybe. But uh, those 10 who came, may Allah reward them, they took the option of azima. But for people for whom it is difficult to come, they can pray at home in these conditions. I mean, it depends on the congregation. The main Jumu'ah congregation is where? At a bigger place, at a masjid. Or where there is a decent amount of people for that congregation. If it's just the father and the son, then the father doesn't need to give khutbah and the son is listening and they establish the jamar because it's difficult. In that case, they just pray, there's zuhur. But if it's a whole lot of people, like for example, at a workplace and or for example, at a school, then instead of those 50 people or 100 people going to a masjid, which is half an hour away, they have a separate prayer room. Can they establish their salat of jumar over there? According to many scholars, they can. It's best, however, that they go to the bigger masjid because at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we see that jama'at were held at different places. But for Jumu'ah, everybody was required to come to the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ. So it really depends on the circumstances. Bab adhan al-a'ma idha kana lahu man yukhbiruhu. Adhan al-a'ma, the adhan by a blind person. Can a blind person give the adhan? Because he cannot see. And he can't tell whether the sun has set yet or not, whether the time of Zuhur has begun or not. Especially back then when the people didn't have calculated times, then Adhan al-A'ma إِذَا كَانَ لَهُ When there is for him man who يُخْبِرُهُ Who can inform him? Meaning someone can tell him, yes, the sun has set, Maghrib time has entered, now you can give the Adhan. Is it allowed? Yes, it is allowed. Because there are some who said that no, a blind person cannot give the other. But we see that one of the mu'adhineen of the Prophet ﷺ was who? Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. And he was blind. And he used to give the adhan. So if someone can inform the blind person, then he can give the adhan. And we see that people who are used to the prayer times, then sometimes they just need a confirmation. They come and ask, just for the sake of formality. Like I remember my grandfather towards the end of his life, he was losing his memory, but at the same time he was also not able to see clearly. But if you asked him any question with regards to hadith or you know a fiqh issue, he was able to answer you. And salah time, he knew. I mean, you would find him going towards the washroom, making wudu as the time of prayer was approaching. And he would insist let me go to the masjid because he walked to the masjid his entire life. And he knew the way. Even though he could not see clearly, he knew the way. He could go. But the family would not let him go sometimes because of his health condition. But if you allowed him, he would go. 
So when a person is used to this, then it doesn't matter whether he cannot see or he's not able to walk. He can do it. حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك عن ابن شهاب عن سالم بن عبد الله عن أبيه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال The Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said إن بلالا Indeed بلال يؤذن بليلا He gives the adhan in the night فكلوا واشربوا So keep eating and drinking حتى until ينادي He gives the adhan هو ابن أم مكتوم عبد الله When he gives the adhan Until that time, you can keep eating and drinking. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, وَكَانَ رَجُلًا أَعْمَى And he was a blind man. Who? Ibn Umm Maktoum. لَا يُنَادِي He would not give the nida. حَتَّى يُقَالَ لَهُ Until it was said to him, أَصْبَحْتَ أَصْبَحْتَ You have entered the morning, meaning, Fajr time has entered, now you can give the adhan. So in this hadith, what do we see? That Ibn Umm Maktoum, he would give the adhan when? When somebody would tell him, that the time has entered. So likewise, a blind person can give the adhan. So we see that a person who has some disability, they can participate in such acts of worship also. Even though they're not obligated, like for example, it's not obligatory on them to go in jihad, but we see that there were companions who who insisted on going. There's no haraj on them if they stay behind, and if they do it anyway, And obviously, since their struggle is more, then inshallah, reward is also more. Another disability that a person could have is like, for example, a person is not able to stand. Now, the mu'adhin, he's supposed to stand and give the adhan. Right? Bilal anhu was told, قُمْ فَأَذْذِن Stand and give the adhan. Now, what if there is a person who is not able to stand? Let's say he's on a wheelchair. He wants to give the adhan. He also wants to get the reward. Can he give the adhan sitting? Yes, he can. What's the evidence of this? We learned that Hassan al-Abdi, he said, I saw Abu Zayd, the companion of the Prophet ﷺ, when his legs had been injured in battle. When his legs had been injured in battle, for the sake of Allah, he was giving the adhan while sitting. He wanted to give the adhan, so he gave it. So if there is a person who is not able to stand, for a genuine reason, Let's say a person is old, or they're crippled, or they're on a wheelchair. They're able to pronounce the adhan, they can give it, even while sitting. Alright? A person is blind, he cannot see. Somebody tells them, the time has entered, they can give the adhan. This is how our deen is. Now, in this hadith, we also see that at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, two adhan were pronounced. Four Salatul Fajr. Two calls were made for Salatul Fajr. The first one was made by Bilal anhu. And from this hadith, what do we learn? Inna Bilalan yu'adhinu bilaylin. He gives the adhan in the night. Meaning at the time when Fajr has not yet entered. So the Prophet ﷺ said, keep eating and drinking. And this is for who? The people who are doing their suhoor, who are going to fast. They're told, keep eating and drinking until you hear the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoun. Because he gives the adhan when? When Fajr has entered. So the second adhan was when? At the time of Fajr. Four Fajr prayers. Now from this we learn many things. First of all, the benefit of these two calls. What was the benefit? The adhan of Bilal was so that 
the person who was praying Qiyamul Layl knows that now the time is about to end, so I should wrap up my prayers. Like for example, a person is praying Qiyamul Layl. And when he hears the Adhan of Bilal Anhu, he knows that he doesn't have much time left, so finish and perform with it. Or take some rest now. Because that was the way of the Prophet ﷺ. Take some rest now before Fajr. Or end so that I can go do suhoor. The other benefit was that the people who were sleeping could now wake up and start getting ready for Salatul Fajr so that they can pray Fajr as soon as the time enters. Because it's better to pray Fajr early. A third benefit was that the people who wanted to fast now had an idea that okay, there's little time left we should eat our suhoor. Another benefit that we see here is that with the second adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoum, the Prophet ﷺ told, keep eating and drinking until his adhan. So what do we learn? That a person can keep eating and drinking until the time of fajr enters. Like in the Quran, Allah says, وَكُلُوا Right? Eat and drink until... Basically, the time of Fajr is described over there. So once the time of Fajr enters, then you stop eating and drinking. You don't have to end 15 minutes early, 10 minutes early, like some people say. That goes against the sunnah. The sunnah is to keep eating until Fajr enters. Bab al-adhani ba'd al-fajri. Adhan after the time of Fajr. Meaning, the adhan for Fajr will be given when? Once the time of Fajr has entered. Not before that. If it's before that, that is the adhan of the layl that Bilal radiallahu anhu used to give. The adhan for salatul fajr should be when? Once the time of fajr has entered. This doesn't mean half an hour late, one hour late. No, this means as soon as the time enters, then. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر قال أخبرتني حفصة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the way of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم was what? كان he used to إذا when اعتكف المؤذن when the muaddin would اعتكف for what? للصبح for the subh what does اعتكف mean? to remain in one place to remain in one place so this is referring to the muaddin when he would just sit and watch the sky Watch the sky for what? Waiting for Fajr to begin. You understand? Because at that time there was no alarm that would go beep beep. That okay Fajr time has entered. No. The Mu'addin had to stand and watch the sky continuously to see exactly when Fajr enters. So, كَانَ إِذَا اُتَكَفَ الْمُؤَذِّنُ لِلصُبْحِ وَبَدَ الصُبْحُ and the Mu'addin is watching the sky as soon as the subh began, meaning the time of Fajr entered. Then what would the Mu'addin do? Obviously, he would give the adhan. So what was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ? That when the adhan would be pronounced, meaning as soon as the time entered, the adhan is pronounced, rak'atain. He would perform two rak'ah. And these rak'ah were khafifatain, very light. Meaning short. قَبْلَ أَن تُقَامَ الصَّلَاةِ Before the salah was established. Meaning before the iqama was said. 
So between the adhan and the iqama of fajr, the Prophet ﷺ would say, two rak'ah, very light. And what is this referring to? The sunnah. And we know that that sunnah is very light. In the first rak'ah, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهُ الْكَافِرُونَ The second rak'ah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ So in this hadith, what do we see? That the adhan for fajr prayers is given when? Once fajr enters. حدثنا أبو نعيم قال حدثنا شيبان عن يحيى عن أبي سلمة عن عائشة كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي ركعتين خفيفتين بين النداء والإقامة من صلاة الصبح Same thing He would pray these two rak'ah between the adhan and the iqama And how is this an evidence? Because he would say these two rak'ah after the time of fajr entered If he said these two rak'ah before the time had entered before the adhan, meaning before the time had entered, then would that be sunnah of fajr? What would that be? Part of night prayer. And obviously he would have to end that with witr. But he had already done that. So we see that these two rak'ah were performed, sunnah of fajr were performed after the adhan. And when was the adhan? Once fajr entered. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف أخبرنا مالك عن عبد الله بن دينار عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن بلالا ينادي بليل بلال gives the adhan in the night فكلوا واشربوا حتى ينادي ابن أم مكتوم So eat and drink until ابن أم مكتوم gives the adhan because he gives the adhan when the fajr has entered باب الأذاني قبل الفجر The adhan before fajr Because remember at the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم there were two adhan one for Fajr prayers and one before that. Qabl al-Fajr. Why? What was the benefit? Those who are performing the night prayer can end. Those who want to do suhoor can do suhoor. And those who are sleeping can start getting ready. Haddathana Ahmad ibn Yunus Qala haddathana Zuhair Qala haddathana Sulaiman al-Taymiyyu An Abi Uthman al-Nahdihi An Abdullah ibn Mas'udin An al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Qal لا يمنعن أحدكم None of you should stop أو أحد منكم or anyone from you أذان بلال من سحوره The adhan of Bilal should not stop anyone of you from his suhoor That you hear the adhan of Bilal and you think Oh Fajr has entered, now we can't do suhoor فَإِنَّهُ يُؤَذِّنُ أَوْ يُنَادِي بِلَيْلٍ Because he gives the adhan or the nida in the night لِيَرْجِعَ قَائِمَكُمْ so that your qa'im can return. Meaning the one who is performing the qiyam, qiyam al-layl, he can return. Return where? Home or he can get some rest. imakum, And he can alert those of you who are sleeping. So those who are praying can conclude and those who are sleeping can get up. And he is not saying that it is time for fajr or subh. So the adhan of Bilal should not be misunderstood. He's not giving the adhan for Salatul Fajr prayer. He's giving it for a different reason. وَقَالَ بِالْأَصَابِعِهِ And the Prophet ﷺ said this while with his two fingers وَرَفَعَهَا And he raised the fingers إِلَى فوق To فوق Above Meaning he lifted them up وَطَأْطَأَ إِلَى أَسْفَلِ And he lowered them down. So the Prophet ﷺ said this while he pointed his fingers upwards and lowered them. حَتَّى يَقُولَ هَكَذَا Until he said this. Basically he was pointing to the beginning of Fajr. The beginning of Fajr, the split of dawn. 
Okay, the split of dawn. He is referring to that with his fingers, moving them up and down. وَقَالَ زُهَيْرٌ بِسَبَّابَتَيْهِ With his two pointer fingers, meaning the pointer finger and the middle finger, using both of them. إِحْدَاهُمَا فَوْقَ الْأُخْرَى One of them above the other. So one finger above the other, either like this or like this. And he was pointing them up and down, referring to the split of dawn. And then ثُمَّ مَدَّهَا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ وَشِمَالِهِ Then he مَدَّهَا He extended the fingers towards his right and left. And what is that referring to? When he was pointing them to the right and left. Either by separating the fingers or by moving them from right to left. The spread of the light. So two times he is referring to. One, the early time. Because remember that, if you remember, I mentioned to you about Fajr when it enters. That Subh Sadiq. Okay? And there is one before that. Meaning, by that a person thinks that Fajr has entered, but it's not actually entered. So, the split of dawn. Okay? And secondly, once the light begins to spread. He's referring to two different timings basically. So the first time, when you hear Bilal's adhan, don't stop eating, drinking. Don't pray your fajr yet. And the second adhan, that is when you stop eating and drinking and then perform salat al-fajr. Now exactly what kind of split it is, I can't describe it to you because honestly I've never seen it myself. Okay, Meaning that precise moment. That precise moment, I honestly can't describe to you. Because for that, really, you have to see the huge sky, clear horizon, which is rare to find in these days. But not that the sky becomes bright, okay? but basically when you see the light entering into the sky. You can trust the prayer timings that are calculated, inshallah. It seems like it was the same. But for the second adhan, there are some words which, inshallah, I will mention to you. حدثنا إسحاق قال أخبرنا أبو أسامة قال عبيد الله حدثنا عن القاسم ابن محمد عن عائشة وعن نافع عن ابن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال وحدثني يوسف بن عيسى المروزي قال حدثنا الفضل قال حدثنا عبيد الله بن عمر عن القاسم بن محمد عن عائشة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال إن بلالا يؤذن بليل فكلوا واشربوا حتى يؤذن ابن أم مكتوم باب كم بين الأذان والإقامة ومن ينتظر الإقامة كم How much time بين الأذان والإقامة Should be there between the adhan and the إقامة ومن ينتظر الإقامة And those who are waiting for the إقامة What should they do? So first of all the question is How much time should be given between adhan and إقامة And secondly Those who have heard the adhan And now are waiting for the إقامة What should they do? Should they just sit idle or should they do something? حدثنا إسحاق الواسطي قال حدثنا خالد عن الجريري عن ابن بريدة عن عبد الله بن مغفل المزني أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال بين كل أذانين صلاة ثلاثا He said that between every two أذان is a prayer And he said this how many times? Three times بين كل أذانين صلاة بين كل أذانين صلاة and then he said, لِمَنْ شَاءَ For those who wish. It's not an obligation, but for those who wish. Now, what do we learn over here? First of all, the word adhanain, the two adhan. What does it refer to? The adhan and the iqama. This is not referring to the fajr adhan. That was different. That's exclusive to fajr when there are two adhans. Okay? 
Here, adhanain is referring to adhan and iqama. Okay? Because both are basically a call. And this is just like qamarain, umarain, al-aswadain, the two black things. What are they? Dates and water. Are they both black? No. One is black and both are mentioned as aswadain. So likewise over here, one is adhan, the other is iqama, but both are joined together. And what is said? Adhanain. So between the adhan and iqama is a prayer. For who? For those who wish. Now, what is this prayer? Either voluntary or sunnah, depending on the salah. So for example, for fajr salah, what is the prayer? Sunnah, two rakah. For dhuhr, what is the prayer? Sunnah, four rakah. For asr, what is the prayer? But also voluntary. Okay, For maghrib, Voluntary for Isha, voluntary Sunnah. And also remember that a person comes to the masjid on hearing the adhan. He just did wudu. He's coming into the masjid. He might want to pray. Tahiyatul masjid. So what do we learn from this? That the minimum time between adhan and iqama should be enough that a person can pray at least two rakah. And if it's zuhr, a little bit longer so that a person can also pray his sunnah. You understand? Meaning, the adhan should not be immediately followed by the iqama. It should not be that the mu'adhin finish the adhan and immediately someone says the iqama. No. Some time should be given. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, depending on the prayer. Just because it is easy for the people. And then we also learn that even like, for example, you may have said your sunnah already. Now you heard the adhan. And then there's time. So what can you do? What can you do while you're waiting for the iqama? You can perform the prayer. The Prophet ﷺ said, Liman For those who will. And those who wish to remain idle, then they can do that. It's up to them. Obviously, a person is in a different state. Meaning each time he could be in a different state. At one time he has the energy and he can get up and pray. At another time, he may be tired. And this is what we see, that once the Prophet ﷺ, he rested. You can do that. At another time, you might want to recite the Qur'an. You might want to say your morning adhkar, your evening adhkar. You can do that. Now one more thing before we continue, that between the two adhan. Now, remember that it refers to adhan and iqama. Now, the adhan of fajr, which is the... Second adhan, in the sense that the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktoum, so the adhan that is being made to call people for prayer, for Salat al-Fajr, after the time of Fajr has entered. Now, in that adhan, the words, As-salatu khayrun minan nawm, are also to be said, according to many scholars. This is one of the two opinions. Some said no, and others said yes, these words should be said, As-salatu khayrun minan nawm. And the evidence for that is the hadith of Anas radiallahu anhu, in which he said, that مِنَ السُنَّةِ قَوْلُ الْمُؤَذِّنْ فِي أَذَانِ الْفَجْرِ الصَّلَاةُ خَيْرٌ مِنَ النَّوْمِ Of the sunnah is the words of the mu'adhin in the fajr adhan that salah is better than, prayer is better than sleep. And this is reported by Ibn Khuzayma in his Sahih. And many scholars, they consider this hadith to be authentic. And this is the reason why you see this in practice in many places, including the haram. حدثنا محمد بن بشار قال حدثنا غندر قال حدثنا شعبة قال سمعت عمر بن عامر الأنصاري 
عن انس بن مالك قال كان المؤذن اذا اذن قام ناس من اصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم when the muaddin would give the adhan the companions of the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم they would get up يبتدرون and they would rush towards as-sawari the pillars which pillars the pillars of the masjid so in other words as soon as they heard the adhan what would they do get up and go towards the pillars حتى يخرج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم until the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would come out وهم كذلك and they would be like that meaning by the pillars يصلون they would be praying الركعتين the two rak'ah قبل المغرب before maghrib ولم يكن بين الاذان والاقامه شيء and there would be nothing meaning hardly any time between the adhan and the iqama but they would manage to pray two rak'ah between adhan and iqama qala uthman ibn jabalata wa abu dawud an shu'bata lam yakun baynahuma illa qalil there was not between the two meaning adhan and iqama except a little time meaning a very short time so what do we see that the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when they would hear the adhan they wouldn't start forming their rows what would they do go towards the pillars and perform salah the two nafl behind the pillars why pillars we learned earlier for sutra okay and even though there was very little time but they would pray two rak'ah and then the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he would come out the iqama would be said they would form the rows باب من انتظر الإقامة those who wait for the إقامة meaning let's say you've already performed your ظهر سنة okay like for example in some masajid the adhan is not made as soon as the time enters but a little time before salah is going to be performed so let's say you performed your sunnah and then you go to the masjid when you go to the masjid the adhan is set and you perform your nafl and there's still 10 minutes should you feel guilty that you're just sitting and not performing any nafl can you just sit there and wait let's say you're tired you want to just lie down straighten your back a little bit put your head on the floor can you do that or can you do some adhkar can you speak to somebody about something important or is it necessary that you definitely pray what do we learn from the sunnah حدثنا ابو اليمان قال اخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال اخبرني عروه بن الزبير ان عائشه قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا سكت المؤذن when the muaddin would become silent bilula with the first min salat al-fajr of salat al-fajr meaning when the first adhan would be said qama he would stand up he would rise faraka raka'atayn khafifatayn he would perform two light raka'ah قبل صلاة الفجر before actually performing the fajr prayer بعد أن يستبين الفجر after fajr had entered so basically she's referring to the adhan of Ibn Umm Maktum that after that adhan what would he do? he would perform two rak'ah that rak'ah was not fajr prayer it was not fajr prayer what was that? sunnah and obviously this would be after fajr had entered ثُمَّ الطَّجَعَ Then he would lie down عَلَى شِقِّهِ الْأَيْمَنِ On his right side حَتَّى يَأْتِيَهُ الْمُؤَذِّنِ Until the muaddin would come to him لِلْإِقَامَةِ For the iqama So between the adhan and the iqama What do we see? Prophet ﷺ would perform his prayer As much as he wanted 
And then if there was still time, especially after Fajr, what did he do? He lied down on his side. So can we start that also? Don't sleep. And there is so much wisdom in this because especially after Qiyamul Layl, when you've been standing, you're tempted to shorten your Fajr prayers. Hmm? Because you are already tired. So you think, I'll just shorten my Fajr prayer. But what do we see here? That the Prophet ﷺ took some rest and then he led the people in Fajr prayer. The Qiyam would be long. So we see such a beautiful example over here of this balance and also the ihsan in worship. There's no compromise in worship. But what do we see? That rest is taken. A break is taken. So sometimes we need to be easy on ourselves in the sense that allow yourself to take a break so that you don't collapse later on. Because sometimes when we're in the mode, we keep stretching ourselves to the point that we snap and we cannot continue anymore. So what is the best way? The way of the Prophet ﷺ. Inshallah, I'll mention that. Inshallah, in our next class. One more thing between the Adhan and the Iqama. You're resting. Okay, let's say you're lying down. You've performed your prayers. Can you do something else also? Between the Adhan and Iqama. You can perform your nafil. You can take some rest. What else can you do? Make dua. A hadith which is authenticated by Albani, recorded in Sahih al-Targhib al-Targhib, the Prophet ﷺ said, a supplication made between the Adhan and the Iqama is not rejected. It is not murdud. So make your du'as at that time. In another hadith, also authenticated by Albani, there are two times when the gates of heaven are opened and few who make the supplication have it returned to them unanswered. Meaning there are very few du'as that are not answered at that time. Majority of the du'as made between adhan and iqama are answered. They're at the time of the adhan and when standing in rows for fighting in the cause of Allah. So at the time of Adhan will be when? After the Adhan. So after the Adhan, making dua, most of the time, it is not unanswered, rather it is accepted. The Prophet ﷺ said, when the Iqama is pronounced, the gates of heavens are opened and the dua is granted. When the Iqama is pronounced. Because sometimes it happens that the Iqama is pronounced, people are still forming their rows. And then what happens? Because our row is fine, we just stand there looking or looking down or looking up. So what should we do? The gates of heavens are opened. Make dua at that time. In another version, Sahal ibn Sa'ad reported that the Messenger of Allah said, supplication at two times are never turned down. Or he said, are seldom turned down. A supplication after the adhan has been proclaimed and a supplication during the battle when fighting the enemy. When a person is engaged in that and he makes dua, then inshallah it will be accepted. And we also learned that There is a prayer between the two adhan for anyone who wishes to do it, meaning it is not obligatory, rather it is mustahab. حدثنا عبد الله بن يزيد قال حدثنا كهمس بن الحسن عن عبد الله بن بريدة عن عبد الله بن مغفل قال قال نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بين كل أذانين صلاة بين كل أذانين صلاة so he said this twice and the third time he said for those who will. So what do we learn? The best is that between Adhan and Iqama, perform prayer. If you've done that already or you don't find energy in yourself to do that, 
it's possible, nafil, there is no sunnah for that particular prayer, then can you take some rest? Absolutely. But while you're resting, make dua also. Subhanakallah wa bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.